0: Well, that's how I do. You know how I met her. How'd you meet her? Uh, so, I had recorded a few of these, maybe four of them, and I hadn't released any. Yeah. Two of them, I like the audio was bad, real bad on one or two of them. One of them, I lost the audio completely. It was yeah. it was a clusterfuck. Yeah. So I'm looking for somebody, just a partner. Either somebody who's willing to learn, or somebody. And I was like, it, it would be helpful <coughs> if they already sort of knew this and were into yeah. it. It would be helpful if they had the same politics, because that's kind of what it's about. Yeah. But. You know, whatever. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking around, and and Drew had mentioned uh, Carl, so I was like, yeah, let, let's yeah. try to get together. Well, like the, the two days after uh, he mentioned Carl, we went to the uh, the Middletown City Council meeting to protest the the parade. Yeah, with Carrie and them. So Kobe comes to pick me up, and. Margaret's in the front seat. Never met her. He's like, "This is Margaret. She's moved here. She's doing this." Work. And Kobe, Kobe had just come on, but I lost his audio. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah Rob's doing a podcast. And he's a producer." And she's like, "Excuse me, what?" So that's how I met her. I met her oh doing action God. at uh, at the Middletown, uh, you know, whatever it was, uh, city council meeting for that the parade oh, thing goodness. that they did. Well, hello, friends. We're back here in the bunker. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're dug in. We have earthworks dug in. I feel I feel safe for plotting. Um, as you probably heard, we have a very special guest today. Uh, I I'm going to call him Civil Rights Lawyer Extraordinaire. That's what I'm going to. You guys can call him whatever you want. But Chris Johnson, <laughs> Chris, thanks, man. Thanks for coming.
1: Hello, hello. Hey, we're, uh, this is my first <laughs> trip to 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 the den. The basement, the I don't even know. Do we have a nickname for it it's yet? Just a bunker. A bunker. It's just a bunker. That's it. Uh, we we are we are in the belly of the beast right now. Yeah, so, they're all uh, around us. I'm I'm excited. This will be my first of many trips here.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, the, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and and sort of, you sort of alluded to it when we were talking about the Center for Justice, about doing things and seeing the result of those things. Taking action, taking a stand, and there's been some talk on the internet about what our new AG has done and how she seems to be have been motivated by a huge push in the primary from from you. Um, there's even been you know op eds in the news journal, who, and they they're usually. You know, not eager to do this, but outlining the things that Kathy has already done. I wrote some of them down. So this is this is the memo she posted. We had all these. I think this is what this is. Yeah. Alternatives to uh, prison during plea negotiations. That's a big one. Anything that keeps people out of prison is big. Avoid jail for technical probation violations. Another big one. Uh, Any crime with a suggested sentence under a year after probation, all the time. Expungement for marijuana and other acts, no longer crimes. No prison time. No revocation of driver's license for people to be able to pay civil fines. I'm going to focus on this, too, because this is how they get you. You know, you sort of using the, the law, what's ethical by the law to really control what people, you know, we will get to that. All of this, all of these moves, I think, are... Earth-shattering for this state, anyway, and I and I really feel like you've done quite a bit to 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 move people's idea of what's necessary to this. And I just like you to sort of.
1: What's your feeling about that? My feeling is that I, I you know thank you for for uh, for for bringing that up and and um, you know I, I I can't take credit for it definitely, but what I can say is it's not a, unexpected. You know me, I'm a straight shooter. <laughs> I honestly don't think, um, you know, the, the conversation at a race, I think you would have seen the same thing. Um, you know, definitely you would have seen the same thing or more for me. But I think if you had Lucretia there, you would have seen the same thing. So for me, it's not as much as putting out a memo. It's actually implementing policy, because the one thing I look at that scares me is Kim Og. The, uh, she's the district attorney of Harris County, Texas. Um, she ran on a progressive platform. Um, she was the kind of the the anointed candidate. And um, now we have a race um, trying to get her out of there because she's um, increased the prison population, and has not um, stood true to what she promised on a campaign. So that's the one thing I say it's good. I applaud the memo, but it's going to implementation takes a lot more than that.
0: You know, and I completely agree because I, you know, I think what I, mentioned the first person who brought this to my attention is that, that it looked like a good start and that was it because we had to see how it plays out and as as you know every activist that comes down here says <clears throat> you really have to hold people accountable like this is good this is good because now you have something to look back on and say okay well you said all of these things what let's 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 hop to like let's start doing yeah this. And,
1: and, and and what i look at honestly is is uh one of the disappointing things I've 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 seen so far is that her leadership team, her leadership team, complete lack of diversity, um, you know, no minorities, um, and even very few women in top leadership. And a state this uh, 23% African American have no African American prosecutors who are leading her office, that's I believe a miscarriage of justice.
0: How does that even happen? How does she I mean it's just just no is she not she's has that that awareness just isn't there. I mean especially after what I just said about going through with Lucretia and you in a primary winning and then how does that how does that even happen
1: <laughs> Welcome to America
0: <laughs> oh, yeah I Look, guess you're right I guess
1: This is you're right about this that. is this is what we fight for this is what we continue to fight for You know it's not you know because cuz the day to day I think you know we would all agree on bail reform we all agreed on you know you need to decriminalize marijuana but it's the nuts and bolts of fighting systemic racism and income inequality that's what we were fighting for. That's what we've been fighting for as activists. So that's what you're not going to get from the office because there's nobody sitting in there who's going to say, you know what, I just walked around West Center City, and they're still struggling. So you know what, we're going to do a, a job training program in West Center City. They just don't have those minds in office. And they're very good people who work there. I'm friends with a lot of them, but they just aren't in tune with what's going on. And that's that's the unfortunate part.
0: Yeah, I, I... I do, unfortunately, see a lot of complete disconnect between, well, really what the, what the law is doing and what the, what the results of it are. I guess I'll put it this way. I think about this a lot. Because we, we're in here and we talk about sort of the economic uh, and corporate part of late capitalism, how that's oppressive. And, but the, but how that, on the ground, how that is enacted is with laws. And who we who we oppress, who we keep down, uh, who we disenfranchise, and then everything just sort of falls into place. But all of that oligarchy that we talk about is really based at the at the lowest level on oppressing oppressing people and and subjugating them and disenfranchising them with the law. Yep. And everybody can then say, point to the law and say, well, the law says this, so. I don't know. They kind of shrug and like I guess, and that just perpetuates itself. And I think you're really right. That's why holding people accountable to all of this and more. I mean, because the first thing I always think of, and we had this conversation when Lex Wilson was in here about the Vaughn uprising, was there's too many people in in jail in prison right now. Yeah. For, it, we, let's just let's just start thinking about how many people that we can release.
1: And and that's and that's one thing that I really is true to heart to me. So I don't know if you uh, knew. But on the campaign, I was endorsed by all the prisoner inmate councils. Uh, in fact, they would write me constantly, and they still write me to this day um, about uh, me helping them on the legal front. Um, so their them, and their families were with me. Um, in fact, they tried to encourage a voting block for me um, with with the prisoners, uh, and and we're continuing to work with the uh, incarcerated families to make them a significant voting block in this state, but they are still with me and and I still um, write them back and forth and there's a lot going on, you know, there's still a lot going on and and there's not, unfortunately you hear a lot of talk, independent review, you hear this, you hear that, but there's no plan to actually build families together. Like none of the plans that we've seen so far actually get to that we need uh, a, a system to expedite getting people back home, right? Like, that that's what we need. You know, we have plenty of older prisoners, nonviolent offenders, plenty of people that don't need to be in jail. Let's get them out. Let's get them back home. Let's get them adding to Delaware's economy. That's how you rebuild Delaware. Yes,
0: I, I think that that's absolutely true. That's the first thing. It seems like all of these things are great, and I wouldn't disparage any of them if they come through fruition. Yeah, like if you're a
1: Harvard Law professor, maybe, you know, yeah, a lot but, of that, it sounds good, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, when you go— any neighborhood in the state whether it's on the East side in Wilmington or you go down to Seaford they don't really they don't know that right. like they're worried about building their families right now. they're worried yeah. about finding a job right So where's the plan to like address that issue?
0: Yeah, that's a criminal justice issue yeah. figuring out who shouldn't have been there or maybe even the people who should have been there but they're nonviolent or that they were there too long or whatever we whatever we did as a, as a community, to incarcerate people for whatever reason, it's our responsibility to figure out how to how, how to either reintegrate them or fix what we did wrong or or, or whatever. And, and there's such a um, there's such a limited sort of desire to even want to admit that yeah maybe we owe these people a little bit more than we say that we do.
1: And 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 it's just putting it's look it's putting the 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 power to the people. I mean, I can tell you a perfect example. Um, is is what Larry Krasner has done in Philadelphia. Um, I've seen him from the beginning. I actually, you know, met him when he first ran for office. And what he's done is actually um, staying true to form, but he's also worried about um, pushing the envelope. You know, he's a proponent of safe injection sites in Philadelphia. You know, he's a proponent of of job uh, growth in Philadelphia. So that's the extra you get with Larry Krasner. And look, I'm up in Philadelphia all the time. As, as many of you know, I practice up there as well. And Criminal defense attorneys are actually kind of upset. I actually share a suite with some of them downtown and they're complaining because they don't have as much work now. <laughs> you know, We were bullshitting the other day. They're like, oh, I'm gonna start doing some real estate stuff because they their caseload has been, the, they, they don't have as many clients now because Krasner has stayed true to form. But pushing stuff like safe injection sites, like that's what I pushed on a campaign and I'm continuing to push it, but you will never hear it from the, the current powers to be you know, pushing safe injection sites, because that is, you know, seen as crazy. But the fact is, that's what's necessary to save lives.
0: That's correct. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. All of the things that we have some sort of we've been conditioned to think that it's wrong are actually the most important things. Reintegration, uh, more education, injection sites, all of that, you got to enfranchise people, because otherwise, it's, just, it's not going to work.
1: And, and, and that's why, you know, I know people say, well, you know, um, obviously, you know. I, I think we, we, of course, I support the AG and what what she's pushing, but it, will, it doesn't even begin to touch on what um, what I would have done and what I will do <laughs> when I, when I'm in office because it's it's a lot of issues aren't getting addressed because people people were scared of of I don't I don't know they're scared of offending people. You know, so what if you push safe injection sites and the federal government sues you? You step up. And fight against them. Um, You know, and you have to push against the grain, because what I see is, you know, at least in Delaware, the Attorney General, oh, yeah, I want to go against Trump. I want to do this, that everyone would agree to do. Everyone agrees that we should go fight against Trump. Right. That's not a hard decision. But the hard decision is, are we going to push safe ejection sites or not? Right. Um, And that really is it's illegal. Uh, a question, but it also comes down to, are you willing to go to bat for people who are suffering from addiction? Because last year, 2018, was the worst year of addiction deaths in Delaware. Heroin, opioids, all that stuff. And you don't see a plan to save lives in Delaware. You know, we have Narcan. That only begins to touch on how we can fight back.
0: Yeah. Again, that's a, that's a last resort. You know, we don't do anything we really don't do anything to help the economy of folks. You know, we do pe- things to help the economy of people who already have good jobs or are professionals. But we don't do anything to help the economy of people who, who don't, who need the most help. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty sad state of
1: affairs. I do want to say... What are you saying? All the hotels? You don't, you don't think that's helping? Look. <laughs> helping look, the yeah. everyday citizen in Wilmington? I don't are wanna, you kidding me? I don't want to go down this...
0: <laughs> look. Normally, what I would do at this time is I would completely trash I'm a city Riziki. of Wilmington resident. Uh, yes, th- I know. I know, <laughs> I, I know you are. Uh, I would also trash Carney, but I know we had to be very touchy on the Carney situation because I'm sure there's some sort of attorney-client privilege. I, I, I My guess is that you know things that would fucking shock... Well, they wouldn't shock me, but they would make me very happy because I could tell them, but I won't press you on that. Um, I will say this. Um, for people who aren't... Who are unfamiliar with Larry Krasner, the Philadelphia District Attorney? Uh, go at, look at, at what his platforms was. He was elected. Look at what he has done. I can tell you that the first time I met Chris at a, at a uh, an event near here somewhere, uh, we can't say where we are. Um, the first thing I said is, "Well, what do you think about Larry Krasner?" And you just lit up, and I was like, "Yes, we can't this. We're on we're on the same page. We're definitely on the same page." Mm-hmm. Well, the, one thing we can do. And obviously I'm sure you can't speak about the specifics of these, but i I did notice one of the differentiations that I would make between a good a g and a one who's a, a who's, who's lacking is that the the use of force with the state cop a couple weeks ago three month ago, whatever it was uh the Buckley one yes is it true, and this is just a tr- point of fact I guess you can probably answer this that the AG's office dis- dismissed that as a as a use of force. So st- the the arrest is still being investigated in some fashion, but what we saw on the video, according to the AG's office, is not an excessive use of force. Is that what it is? How does it, I mean, can you speak on it at all?
1: So, yeah, and... And And again, if you can't, you can't, I I understand. I'm not directly working, you know, on that case, so I I can speak about it. I mean, look, you you can Google use of force in in most jurisdictions around the country, and use of force is, or show of use of force includes any show of a weapon, um, any kind of apprehension of of that force will be used. So, you know, pointing a gun is... Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that if somebody just disagrees
0: with you and gets out of the, says, you say, get out of the car, and they say, why, I don't want to get out of the car, and the next move is to point a loaded 9 millimeter in their face, I think that's probably force, I mean, you know, it, it just, it, you you have to believe what you're seeing with your eyes, but we're, uh, a, lot, a lot of people are sort of conditioned to say the same thing happened with this stupid Newcastle County police case. Uh, with the kid who they held down and just punched in the face. It's like, well, what did he do before? Yeah. First of all, who gives a fuck what he did before, number one? Number two, when you find out, you're like, oh, he was riding a dirt bike and he had weed. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, people go through, the, the the mental gymnastics people go through to try to... Um, to try to argue their way out of what you see with your own eyes, I find extremely troubling.
1: You're you're completely correct. I mean, look at um, we had when in Sacramento, uh, just had, we yeah. just had the uh, the lack of charges against the officers who who shot the young man. I mean, look, this is not just in Delaware but around the country. But what it what it is is it's just a it's pro- police run states, um, which Delaware is. We we still unfortunately don't have. Um, leadership that stands up against the state police, you know, to say, "Look, we're going to actually, you know, publish things such as the police directives online, like a lot of jurisdictions do, or we're going to have citizen oversight boards." You know, that has not um, really been talked about, and it's something I talked about on campaign trail, and nobody else really talked about. But we need more citizen accountability. We need citizens at the table, and I don't understand why it has not happened yet. I mean, well, I
0: mean, I think I, I
1: understand why it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I just you know, yes, they are a voting block, but they're not. I don't think the most powerful voting block in the state. I mean, if you look at well, maybe not the- as a
0: voting block. I guess what I would say is that um, there are you can there are more than two retired state cops in the in the General Assembly. I, I yeah. think there are five. We'll have to fact check that. And they hold leadership positions. These aren't like backbench people. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. But what I also think it has a lot to do with, and what I mentioned earlier, is that that criminal justice architecture is crucial for the stuff that Carney and BPG and Perzicki and the banks, all of that doesn't work without an underlying criminal justice system that... That oppresses, disenfranchises, keeps people where they need to be, keeps people out of the political process, keeps people out of society, whatever it is. And so one doesn't work without the other. And that's why I think it is.
1: Yeah, I I, I think you're correct. I mean, look, even during the campaign, um, you know, the Attorney General campaign, they had a roundtable. Um, at the DAP, I wasn't even invited. I was the only candidate, not invited. well wow, so I wonder. They're, we I wonder why. There's
0: <laughs> a shocker. Your your got your inv- invitation got lost in the mail.
1: Look, look, and and so you know we already know how how they view me. But but the thing is, and there are a lot of great officers. There are a lot of officers who supported me. Uh,
0: I'm going to just editorialize. It's uh, probably not. But if Chris says that, <laughs> there
1: are. But you know, it, it it is a thing where, and and I completely agree. It, it's it's is changing the dynamic because the over-policing, um, as you see in uh, Center City, or, or you know, we, we see downtown, it is part of a structure, um, and, and you go back to, you know, you go back to apartheid South Africa, you know, in, the, in a police state, uh, in which existed for decades until, um, you know, we're finally able to break that. So it is, that's how, um, you know, those societies run that, that are looked to oppress folks. It is through law enforcement.
0: Yeah, I mean, just... A uh, couple of months ago, I think it was about the end of January, uh, Super Producer Carl and Super Producer Margaret and I were at a Network Delaware uh, meeting downtown. And Carl and it had some friends. It was funny because I was standing there sort of waiting for Margaret to come out and some of Carl's friends uh, kind of like shit on the neighborhood I live in because it's like bougie and like it was pretty oh, funny. No, and is. I was like, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> no, that's why I didn't say anything because I'm like, man, these guys are right. Um, but then they went their direction and, and Margaret and I were walking back because uh, I was going to catch a bus at Rodney Square, <laughs> the, the one that
1: still runs through there.
0: And, uh, right out in the front of, um,
1: like where Margot was, <clears throat> where Margot was, 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 Oh, you uh, didn't hear that? No. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I know. past uh, tense. A uh, uh, surprise. It, it well, didn't do you know, well. I wow. mean,
0: I love Coco Van, but I can only eat it like once a year. I'm, I'm not looking to have a heart attack. you know? Um, <clears throat> So we see the cop. We see cops like coming the wrong direction down Mar- like, uh, up and down Market Street in the wrong direction. All this. So we're like, oh, something's up. So they have a guy in the street with his hands up. He's kneeling down, and they got uh, they got the the, uh, the 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 taser pointed at him. And there's like two guys there. There's two guys on the other side, and as they're giving him a range of commands between put your hands up, put your hands out, do this, do that. You know, all kinds of weird commands. I'm standing there with Margaret next to, like, a Downtown Visions guy, and I'm like, what the fuck did this guy do? And he's like, well, he was in, I, what, he was in a restaurant, I guess, and he became disruptive. <clears throat> okay. This looks like a little bit of overkill for that. Like, normally you just walk up to him and be like, dude, what's going on? But no, you have to treat it like, it's, no. uh, like, we're, like we're in a war zone. <clears throat> so then they were asking him to do something, and he was confused, so he turned around... And, like, you could see in his face, he was uh, probably—mentally, he wasn't where we were. You know, it it seemed like he was probably ill, or maybe he was high. I don't know. Um, But he was confused. And so they kind of—as more cops came, they got up behind him, and and then were, like, restraining him him physically. And then about six cops were on top of him. Two, three, four cops were there. One cop at each end of the street, sort of blocking traffic. I'm thinking to myself— the fuck are you doing to this guy? And of course, they're doing the stop resisting bullshit. So I'm oh, yeah. So then, of course, I had to get loud. I'm like, oh, it's fifteen monkeys was fucking he, a football. Was he
1: was he reaching in his waistband? Uh, or, yeah, fer- uh, He was weapon? making furtive movements.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> furtive movements. <laughs> So, you know, they rough him up a little bit. <clears throat> they take him over. Here come, Then, you know, some some guy who wasn't dressed for the weather pulls up. Older guy. I'm like, here's the supervisor. He's going to supervise this. So, of course, they're not looking at me. Now I'm making a, now I'm making a scene. And <clears throat> and then after about 10 minutes, I guess they drug him away. And all I could think of was, like, you know, he went into some Buccini Pollen restaurant and acted weird. And so he gets a beat down. All right. Maybe he did something else, but I certainly didn't read about anything that was uh, even gossiped about in Wilmington, which I would normally hear if somebody broke up a restaurant or something. And what that is is a, is a perfect example of what the police go and do physically, violently, just to ensure that if, somebody, if, if a mentally uh, ill person or a homeless person makes somebody uncomfortable, the, the violence of the state will come down on that person. When you think about it like that, you have to understand the immorality and just, the dis, it's just disgusting. But again, this is, what well, we talked about it before, about using civil fines to keep people locked up. What is that? Why would we do that? Why do you keep people, if they can't make, you know, a bail, a $1,000 bail, what's what's really the and difference? This is, this I mean, this it's crazy.
1: Unfortunately, this is what America is built on, because, you know, if you look at uh, the best Example is Germany. Um, Germany um, has a, as in their constitution, that, uh, that incarceration is for rehabilitation, not punishment. And meanwhile, um, Germany only has less than ten percent recidivism rate. Meanwhile, in America, the average recidivism rate is about, you know, over fifty percent. Um, if you if, if you look nationally, that means somebody's coming back to jail within three years of, of coming out. Um, and that's a problem because America does it wrong. And, you know, ideally America would have treatment centers instead of prisons because majority of people who are there are there. They're not the white-collar criminal who's getting tax evasion. They're there because of something that is either revolving around prostitution, drug dealing, theft, that revolves around drugs, right, or, or a mental health problem. So that's where America's gotten it wrong, and, and America continues to get it wrong.
0: And, again, I think it's important to point out, America gets it wrong because it's in the, in the interest of the powerful to get it wrong. I, 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 this might sound controversial to some people. It won't to you, obviously. But the system is built for, the, for people to – the recidivism rate needs to be high because that's the, those are the communities, those are the people that need to be permanently disenfranchised. So the reason that we don't have good mental health care – in this country, we don't have good drug care. We don't know how to deal with homeless people. The, the reason is because those people need to stay disenfranchised because it's, it's not in the powerful's interest to enfranchise those people. Yeah. They don't, they, it's better that they're treated as non-human beings. And in, until people start s- s- slowly realizing that that's a baked-in uh, feature of this, then we're going to have a hard time but i think we just got to keep knocking at that and showing people that that's what it
1: is and that's why every time you've heard me speak on the campaign trail every time you hear me speak now everything goes back to income inequality and unless that's talked about and how it's intertwined with criminal justice you can't just talk about criminal justice without talking about income inequality if you you can't talk about criminal justice reform uh as ag unless you're talking about the failing school systems in wilmington right you know, so everything's intertwined, and because you, you can't attack one without the other, and and that's that's perfect point is is um you know I have I've read um of course the recent you know Wilmington uh, commentary on the state of the city, um and you know what 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 I can tell you is that I completely agree um, with with the kind of uh, the the point you and others have talked about is that this resurgence has not hit the rest of the city. It um, has not hit a good portion of the city. I still, look, I live in Union Park Gardens and I, I go down Second Street to go downtown. Um, well, actually, Lancaster, it's bordered up homes, uh, firebombed out homes, vacant buildings. Um, looks like Beirut. Um, and, you know, and I, I, in, in my neighborhood's a stable neighborhood, but you go around the corner and you just see that. And so that's like what's missing the city. You know, on the west side, especially, um, you look at the fifth, sixth councilmatic districts, a lot of vacant homes, no, no development. You have a flash development project, which is about it out there. And there's nothing. So like, what do you tell those neighborhoods? You know what? What like resurgence are are they seeing? Right. Like because, uh, you know, one of the great restaurants I like is like Ethan Union Kitchen. Right. Great restaurant. You like it, right? Yeah,
0: I'm I'm on Union Street all the time. But I can't
1: walk there because there's, you know, uh, liquor stores, payday loan stores, um, you know, those other parasites that that, um, thrive on an urban environment. Those litter the landscape of union. So I actually can't walk. I have to usually drive. And so, like, I think about that. I'm like, "Where's the resurgence? I don't see a resurgence." Like, <laughs> you
0: yeah, know? I mean, you know, what my wife says. My wife is in, is uh, is insulted by the whole idea of Renaissance. She's like, "The Renaissance was like art and like like societal changing ideas." This is like Starbucks. It's not a fucking Renaissance. That's that's a, you know that's just that's just a, you know you get some things to assuage your Uh, the fact that you feel awkward being asked for a dollar at the bus stop. That's not a renaissance. Like you said, that's not, it is not a renaissance at all.
1: Yeah. And and so like, you know, and it's tied into the whole, the whole justice system, um, you know, uh, problems that we're talking about is, is it is, it's like a us versus them. And, you know, unfortunately we kind of knew what what was going to happen in the city. I mean, we kind of knew what was happening. So, I mean, we, we saw this years ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, I said it at a, uh, At the at the uh, civic association meeting about the Gilpin firehouse, I said, "Well, you elected a real estate developer mayor. He's trying to develop real estate. This is not, you know, this is not. Uh, didn't take a genius to figure out what was going to happen."
1: Yeah, uh, and, and, and that's what you get. So I mean, the, the thing is, and and I and and it's amazing because I, you know. I know that comment uh, that commentary written by that woman. I I forget her name. Well, yeah. I, I haven't I, taken I, up I'm, room in my head to, I'm, I'm to call her name. Exactly, yeah,
0: this was this was covered uh, in a in a beautiful bonus episode on uh, at Highlands Bunker and Patreon.com Highlands Bunker.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and you know, look, I, I can't say I disagree with every point she makes, but she just misses the mark. She she misses the mark of the rest of the city um she misses the mark of those who have the least and, and 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 that's the thing is you know society should be judged by those who have the least not by those who have the most and so yeah you, you know things may be better um for a lot of neighborhoods but a lot of people are still struggling it's a high poverty city and those are the issues that we must address those systemic issues
0: yeah and i'm someone and i've said it before like i you know as Many people have said, "I live in a bourgeois neighborhood. I appreciate a nice bottle of wine, and you know, whatever." But, but also, I don't think that that's like that's not my priority to, to make sure that I have that. Like, that's not what I gauge success. Like, societal success isn't the f- if that I can get a fancy cup of coffee within three blocks of my house. Like, that's not what the success. That's that's not a measurement of success. And that's a that's a pretty uh, it's a it's a grim picture when. Although I appreciate the fact that, you know, that you you're happier in your neighborhood and things are in your neighborhood and that that helps everybody in the neighborhood uh, somewhat. But, yeah, you don't see the big picture.
1: And, and, and that's what's kind of upsetting as you turn towards Dover. They're getting ready to go back to session Tuesday. There's just a there's a lack of a comprehensive plan to address this, these systemic problems. Right. Um, I mean, what was what's been a legislative accomplishment so far? Um, this session. I really don't know. It it's was, funny, every time the we could write Equal talk, Rights Amendment, I guess, was, was a big one. Yeah, I it. mean,
0: that's an accomplishment, and I'm not gonna, I certainly wouldn't knock it as a, as as, as something to be admired that it happened, but I mean, it, th- is it... People is, aren't
1: gonna live and die, whether Is it, but my, my rule,
0: correct, my rule is always did it, did it do anything to positively impact the material needs of anybody? Not really.
1: I mean, so you, look, you know, I don't bullshit. And I think, like, look, that was the thing that I saw. Like, everybody's on online. Everybody's cheering that up. But, like, where's the um, serious tax reform? Where's the, you know, where's the stuff that's going to help out those who are downtrodden, and get out of prison? And the ERA bill was nice. Everybody was champion. Everybody was wearing it purple. But where are the packages that really improve those lives in Delaware who are struggling? These are people that are calling my office every single day about you know the how the system is treating them so that's the what gets me is like is there a plan in Dover to address this I'm gonna
0: tell you that there probably isn't my sense is that there's <laughs> not i've've I've spoken with and, and I follow uh, the goings- on you know not closely but close enough and my my guess is they have no plan at all because I think about sixty percent of the people down there could barely put two senses together
1: yeah I mean look and, and there's a lot of great legislators. There's a lot of legislators who are just there for the photo ops, and you know. And again, you've touched on this before. I don't care if somebody's nice. I don't care, you know, if 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 I saw them at Starbucks or at the Y. I care about if they get stuff done. And and this is part of me that uh, didn't. Yeah,
0: I, you have to. You have to. You have to think of ways to structurally and 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 broadly impact the material needs of people, not like. Just you're there. So well,
1: this is a like, so little bit about me. This is the kind of Broad Street of me coming out. Because uh, those of you who may not know that I actually come from Philly. Born and raised in Philadelphia. Didn't come to Delaware until college. And I stayed. My wife's from Wilmington. She grew up. Went to St. Elizabeth's. She's a 40 acres family. So, you know, I'm a transplant still. But I, I have that Philly in my heart. And I grew up that, that kind of hardscrabble way where – we don't care if people like us, right? You know, that, that's how Philly is. You know, we, we don't care. We're about getting stuff done, you know, that, that underdog city. So that's the mentality I take, and I still take it every day. Like, I don't care if somebody's nice um, in, in, in Dover. I care about if they're doing stuff for the people, if they're yeah, doing well, stuff that's going to help that, per- that family that's struggling to get by.
0: Yeah, the whole, one of the whole ideas of doing this thing was the idea of the Delaware Way and why it's horseshit. It is an it's a it's a it's a mechanism by which you make dissent or people who really want to make an impact, a positive impact, make them look like well, why would you say that? That's not the Delaware way, you know. So people are, people have been conditioned to think that actually doing something is bad, yeah, and it's 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 extremely strange. Look,
1: I I got criticized because I I did go after uh, Kathy and I and I continue to call her out um because that's the right thing to do. I called out her track record. I called out um how she is interpersonally. I called all that out. And so I would you know, people would challenge me like, "Oh, that was wrong I'd call her." I'm like, "Look, this is stuff that I've learned and I and I know from first-hand experience how her office even operates internally." And so, you know, it, it you know what? Yes, I got a lot of flack for saying stuff, but it was necessary because I had to say, look, this is serious. This is life or death. And, you know, the fact is people of Delaware voted the way they voted, but um, there will be repercussions and you'll see what happens.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that is the that's the bunker mindset. You do things because they need to be done. Like it might not fit into the way that you think you've done it before. I really couldn't give a fuck. Like These things need to be broken. Some of these ideas that we've been conditioned to believe need to be broken or else we're never going to make any kind of headway with the big issues that we're talking about. I completely agree with you. I yeah. talk about it, and I hope to have him in here at some point, but this is, my, this is why I am like a fanboy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Kowalko bro. I don't know if you know. I don't know if that is, what that is, but I was the, one of the first original Kowalko bros. Kowalko is a supporter of mine. Uh, yeah, Kowalko. I mean, Kowalko is the absolute boy. Because he, does, he doesn't care. Like, yeah, you think you don't like me or you kind of make fun of me, but everything I'm
1: saying actually is as accurate. He's actually from Philadelphia, believe it or not. Is he really? I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, he's, mean, from, I... he's, from the, uh, he's from the Northeast. You know what? None of this surprises me. None of surprises me.
0: When I lived in Newark for about 10 years, uh, I, he lived about three houses down from me in Newark, so I knew him from there. And I did. The first time he ran, I was able to vote. Before I moved to Wilmington, I voted for him the very first time he ran it. So I'm, I'm proud of that
1: because I love that guy. No, he's, he's got, I don't know, it's something that we, we get up the river. I don't, I don't know. We, we have that attitude that, well, you know, like, because you grew up in that, I grew up in an environment where you had to fight, you know, you had to, uh, and we're, we're an underdog city. And that's something that I, I bring to Wilmington is, is that mentality, like, that you have to have to create change. And, and I know as a, an attorney, I definitely take that to heart because I grew up seeing, um, you know, advocates such as Cecil B. Moore in Philadelphia. Um, And then, you know, people like Johnny Cochran, I idolized him. And even F. Bailey and Robert Kardashian, those 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 superstar attorneys who didn't care what people thought. They cared about doing the right thing and rebuilding community. And that's what I've taken to heart in my career is like, you know what? I mean, you got to do it. I mean, because I can tell you, I mean, for me. The amount of uh, just this families that have come to me um, since the election is just overwhelming, from up and down the states. Because there's nobody uh, who who is known for civil rights and doing what I what I do in in, in Delaware. Because there's every, the attorneys, especially, are in this Delaware way. Yes. They're you know most of them are this in that structure. And they don't want to help the everyday family.
0: Yeah, and I think that's another thing, another little aspect I w- I've tried to make people aware of because I believe, sort of as you do. Yeah, I mean, the primary, the out, the voting outcome of the primary didn't go the way I wanted it to, but that was really that was only a piece of the work. You were able to publicly make the argument to the person who's now the AG. Continue to consistently make that argument. Cons- continue to consistently be on the forefront of the of the big civil rights issues in the state, and consistently be able to say these things over and over and over again with some uh, now and with with some notoriety and and something behind it. And that's really what's important. It's everything. Don't I, I I just when people start focusing on just election cycles and election results, I think that that's a that's a huge mistake, especially when we're a, sort of, a, a, as, a, as a leftist sort of solidarity movement, that's important, but we, we gotta look past that.
1: Yeah, and when, when I told people, cause I think the week after the election, I was at a even YWCA event, um, racism discussion, I was, I was with Becca Cotto, and you know, people were surprised to see me out. They're like, why, you know, the election just happened. I was like, I'm doing exactly what I said I was gonna do. And I don't bullshit. I said, uh, I was working on justice reform before I ran. And I was going to continue to work on it no matter what seat it was from. It could be from, you know, the um, Carville State Office Building. Or it's going to be from my law office. Either way, I'm making an impact. And I've, and I, and I've, I've held true to that because it didn't – out, the outcome of the race didn't change what I was going to do. It just mattered what seat I was going to do it from and the timing of it. So – and that's what I've taken to heart because I've, I've, I've been, like, fortunate to be in a circumstance where I'm just going to continue to – Wreck havoc, <laughs> I I like, not wreck havoc, but get justice for families right. that have not been we under- an advocate in Delaware.
0: Yes, we understand this, the satirical nature of uh, wreaking havoc and <laughs> sending people to the gulag and all of that. It's just, it's just, it's just, you know, it's an, it's a, it's an illusion. Um, so, last thing I want to, I want to bring up. <clears throat> Because this sort of came up uh, in the, in the campaign, and it just comes up with your background, just as a, as an activist and as an attorney in general, but it's going to come up a lot during the presidential campaign, as I think it should. It's what I call the Scarlet pea, the prosecutor. Once you once you once you sew the Scarlet pea onto your sweater, it's there, and it's very hard to remove it. Now, I, I don't want to focus just on Kamala Harris, but I think. Obviously, there's a lot of things in the news and her history is, is fairly well known. So I think it's a good example to use um, of just the things that you need to do as a prosecutor that there really there's really no excuse for it. So I'm wondering what your feeling is maybe if you don't want to speak about her specifically just about this general idea that, you know, once you're a prosecutor, you have a lot to answer for. And if you don't start fucking answering for it, you're going to get a lot of heat. And I think you should get a lot of heat. And, I, and of course, I'm speaking specifically of Harris, but that, that goes in general. And I know you've made arguments similar to this because of, of your background and because you haven't been. And so uh, what, 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 what are your feelings about this?
1: It's, it's, prosecutors are one of the uh, most overlooked just segments of society. I mean, the society is built on prosecution and law enforcement. But even until recently, in the past 10 years, nobody even paid attention to them. Most prosecutors around the country were, I believe, older white males, almost like 90% of them. And so it's a very powerful position because you're working with the police. If the police want to charge somebody, the prosecutor is the one that's standing up and saying, no, that's bullshit charges. I'm not going to charge a person. So they have a lot of power. And it's a very political position because most of them are elected. So it is. Uh, I'm glad people are paying attention because... You know, I think with with uh, Kamala, it is, you know, she didn't have a perfect history as a prosecutor because you are, um, you know, some people said she 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 was committed a little bit too much to the law enforcement. Right. And so she was in that kind of old school uh, dynamic in terms of appeasing them. So she has to answer for that. And that's going to be part of what she's going to have to message around. Um, But it is it is. uh, You know, I think now we've looked at prosecutors it's different now. Uh, recently, especially with Larry, the emergence of Larry Krasner, um, Rachel Rollins in Boston, and some other progressive prosecutors um, that we're hoping to get elected and still to be elected, there's some important races actually coming up this year. One is the Queens DA race, uh, and they, they, that's a very important one. Tiffany Caban is 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 my favorite, you know, up there. She's a former public defender, um, but yeah, it, it's we're looking at it differently now because. Instead of prosecutors being just a law enforcement person, we're looking at prosecutors as a protector of the community. That's what it should be, and it should be someone that's there to solve the community uh, problems, not by jail, but by figuring out how we can implement change in in, in a community. And that's why one of the most uh, one of the things that upsets me in politics in general is the town hall theory. Um, I know people like to do them, especially in Delaware. They do the town halls, and you know you see the presidential candidates now town halls are very non-interactive, you know, workshops with the community. And that's, that's where the game changer is. And so prosecutors offices need to worry about that and need to work with the community to make the changes. So, um, definitely I, I see it both locally and nationally, the, the role of prosecutor has to change and how people view a prosecutor. And, uh, I don't know how it's going to impact the presidential <laughs> outcome but it's a very interesting race as you know so far
0: yeah so far so i don't see it getting any less interesting anyhow
1: Uh, yeah i mean it's just it just really is um you know and it's and as i think in politics people are getting smarter which is good people are getting smarter people are like you know we need someone that represents what we're about not just they can say flashy stuff right or they, they fit in this right demographic or they, you know, I'm worried about the substance of, of, of someone, right? What their actual policies they're pushing. Are they pushing policies that are going to help that, that, um, that union worker, that shipbuilder, or are, are they pushing those policies? Are they pushing policies that are going to help only the, the
0: 1%. I like the rhetoric we're using because your rhetoric ties right in with my preferred <laughs> candidate, my preferred candidate. Uh, I won't make you. Uh, I didn't say
1: who the candidate uh, was. Yeah. Like I
0: said. I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> When the top one percent makes forty two percent of the full wealth of the bottom fifty percent, then you gotta do I I, I let's just I will say we, do the, what, you don't, we, don't, we, we don't know who you're talking about. Uh Bernie for president. Uh thanks for coming in, man. I hope I I, I I hope uh I hope we can have you in pretty often because I like keeping like you said, we gotta hold people's feet to the fire. Because
1: Kathy, we're not going to, you know, the the days of I'm going to be the Michael Avenatti of Delaware. That that'll be my the without Mike. the sleaziness, <laughs> without the sleaziness. Come on, as an, I'll but, tell you
0: what, as an Italian American, I I think I might be offended by that. No, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> that would be great. But because you know he does say what needs to be said. Yes. And you know he is a hell of a legal advocate. I mean, he's had some yeah. really successful. I think the hurts. issue, the only
0: issue I have, I, I follow a um. I found an, immig- an immigration attorney in Washington, in Yakima, as a podcast, is just talks about his work with uh, with ICE, and it's, it's interesting. And his thing about Avenatti is that he just does a lot of this stuff to be, like, a lot of it's for show. Oh, yeah. And so, some of it has to be for show to keep your profile up so that what you say really does have, you know, gravitas, but... Um, but yeah, Aven without the sleaze. Avenatti without the sleaze. I think the title of this episode is going to be Avenatti without the sleaze. <laughs> no, I can it, see, it, it, I can see the gears in Carl's mind working right now. I
1: mean, look, he says it like it is, um, and there's, you know, again, Johnny Cochran was one of those heroes, yeah. legal heroes, who said he went against the LAPD you know, for his whole career, yeah, and said it like it was. And if social media had existed back then, I think Johnny Cochran. Would have oh, said a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> Johnny Cochran would have had a lot of followers. That'd have been totally you, you dope. You know,
1: so uh, you know, I'm part of that new age of of attorneys that uh, civil rights attorneys that's, that's looking to be a social engineer, not just there to to please please the rich. Um, and that's that's what I've done my whole career is this is fighting, um, for those uh, people who don't have a voice.
0: That's it. So that's Thanks, about. man. Well, we've ended another beautiful uh, recording session here in the bunker. Now Kathy knows, as Mike knows, and Chris Coons, and John Carney, we're plotting and scheming. We're holding your feet to the fire. We're not going away. We're not scared of you. Most of you, you're not even that bright. If you like this kind of stuff, you know how to find it at Highlands Bunker, patreon.com, Highlands Bunker, Ari Vanilla. Consider a patronage. Because um, you could criticize me Without me making fun of you Maybe I'll listen to you If you consider patronage If you don't I'm probably just going to ignore What you have to say Alright Take it easy everybody Left is best